Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? This is Classified. This is Mocha Only. This is Sean Price. Yeah, Ghostface Killer. This is Quake Matthews. What's up, I'm Brother Ali. Fight Diggy, Tribe Call Quest. Eloquent, man. What up, Styles P the Ghost. This is Ab Soul. This is K.O. And you listening to The Come Up Show, where that feel-good music lives. Hey. This is the show that you come up on, yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong, yeah. What's going on? Welcome to The Come Up Show Podcast. Thank you for joining me. I'm Martin Bauman, and today my guest is one of the best DJs in Canada. He's a former Scribble Jam champion. He grew up in Mississauga where he learned the craft from the likes of Subliminal and DJ Dopey. And he went to Wilfrid Laurier University where he met a guy you might have heard of before. He goes by the name Shad. The two have been touring and collaborating ever since. And you know the song Rose Garden? He produced that too. Yes, my guest today is none other than T-Lo. We talk about everything from the new EP with Shad to memories of the smallest shows they ever played to digging for records and much more. Take a listen. I wanted to start off, if we could go right back to the beginning and think about what would it have been your introduction to hip-hop? Uh, my introduction to hip-hop would probably be through DJing. You know, like, um, you know, a lot of people say this, but it, it is impactful for, for a lot of DJs, but especially battle DJs, but the movie Juice, right? That was huge. But then before that, I remember being grade 5 or grade 6 and, like, uh, you know, my, my buddy's just like, yo, have you heard this? I was like, what is this? And he played me some Wu-Tang, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's when I kind of got really hooked into it. So that would have been a time period of, like, 36 Chambers or a little yeah, later 36, than that? 36, yeah. yeah. Favorite Wu-Tang member? Oh, my gosh. That's a toss-up, man. That's, like... I mean, it's got to be, for me, between, like, Ray, Ghost, Meth, and ODB. Right? <laughs> that's, like, four of them right yeah. there. Yeah. yeah, it's a tough question. Uh, so you were growing up in Toronto, is that right? Or, or yeah, elsewhere? Yeah, Saga. Okay, yeah, Saga, yeah. okay, yeah. Saga, yeah. And you were playing piano as a kid growing up a little bit. Uh, I started off playing piano, um, but then, like, I just couldn't, like, I wasn't... The, the way it was being taught was through the Royal Conservatory and that kind of system and my teacher I wasn't really allowed to play too many contemporary things so it kind of lost my interest and then as soon sorry backtracking as soon as I, I saw that movie Juice on TV and then like another buddy of mine um, you know was talking about like turntables and, and, and all that in hip hop and I was like yo I, I want to do that you know it looks it looks interesting. So how quick was that turnaround between seeing something like Juice and being aware of turntablism and then actually whether it be getting your own pair or you know, trying it out for the first time? Um, well, you know, as soon as I, I first saw, you know, scratching, I was like, I obviously, like, I think mo- like most people just tried to find their parents' turntable and just start scratching away at some records to soon realize, like, you're ruining the records, yes. you know? <laughs> Cause I like I didn't even know about having the the felt you know you know what I mean like the um, the slip mat and the proper needle and stuff like that so um, so yeah but the transition was I th- I'd say it maybe maybe a couple years because my parents like I couldn't bring to them like oh I want turntables you know that's a tough sell so I had to get my own job so I worked at like BK for years and I like. <laughs> Got my first turntable, which was like a Gemini BD40. I'll never forget that. And I was trying to battle on that, you know, unsuccessfully. So that's when I started, yeah. How many of your parents' records did you damage in the process of trial and error? Oh, man. I damaged Thriller, which I replaced soon. 
uh, and some Sesame Street record, which was fine. They didn't even care. So, so you get into turntablism. This is sort of the, would this be like high school time or yeah, when exactly? This would be like high school time, like grade eight, grade nine. I started getting into scratching and, and DJing and stuff like that and, you know, going to a lot of house parties and just seeing, like, local DJs kind of rock out and do their thing, you know what I mean? And I remember I was kind of lucky because at my high school, um, there just so happened to be, like, three DJs and, like, DJs and DJ crews. So I kind of was able to, you know, kind of sit back and absorb. And even at our talent shows, like, you know, there's, like, DJs, you know, so... Tell me about those guys, I guess, being um, mentors sort of to you in, yeah, in sh- yeah. terms of showing you the ropes? Yeah, like early on, like um, in ter- like in Saga specifically, but like Subliminal, who went to my high school, he's the one who kind of like, I saw it, you know what I mean? Like in my face live, like not on TV, not on video. So he was kind of the guy that was doing like the tricks. And, you know, he entered DMC and that was like a huge deal back. And they were like, oh, man, this guy was like a DMC competitor. So and also later on, like Dopey, who's from Saga, too, originally, um, he was huge influence in the turntable monks and those guys. So uh, if we can speak on some more influences, whether it be D Styles or DJ Crush, Kid Koala, guys like that tell me about them um yeah kid koala 100 percent is 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 a huge influence just to just to see him kind of use a turntable like an instrument you know and really manipulate sounds and create new compositions him d styles for sure is just like one of the funkiest you know what i mean and and in terms of turntable music and like those guys kind of inspired me to kind of make my flip my routines and into compositions so i came out with a cd in 2008 called rough waters which um was basically me you know experimenting with turntables and making music and i had to uh create boundaries so i used only what was available to me in my basement that on record and uh, i used an mpc 2000 excel which i was i was learning to at the time um in combination with scratching and, and you know chopping up breaks and stuff so that was kind of like me getting really into the whole play aspect of of it and then you know taking some of my battle routines and seeing if i can extend them into songs so to speak when did you pick up the mpc actually i got the mpc through you know jd era's camp he's from saga too um he had a he had a producer uh, who had an MPC in house, and then it kind of just moved within his producer camp. So I actually got it passed down to me um, from Spins. So he and I think Spins works with the Airplane Boys and stuff like that too. But he, I got he's like, yo, I'm not using this. I'm like, yo, cool. So I was blessed with that, you know. So I was just that's how I started learning and stuff like that, just on my own. Yeah. You already mentioned DJ Dopey and the DMC World Finals in 2007. That was when you got your shot, went across the seas to London, England, and took part in that. What was that experience like? Oh, that was a great experience, man. I mean, that's something I've wanted to, you know, I, I was I was seeking that, you know, when I was in grade nine, and just like, that was like a dream, you know? So, um, yeah, I went down for the head-to-heads, and uh, Shub, who was, a you know, DJ Shub from Canada, he won the six-minute. So him and I both got to go and take a plane over and, and, and represent Canada. So that was cool. You know, we got to, we got to, you know, kind of bond a little bit. And then just meeting all the other DJs from all the different other countries was, was an experience, you know. Like, I'll always keep that close to me, man. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was received well. Um, yeah, so it was cool. It was a good experience. 
next year you go to Scribble Jam, the final year of Scribble Jam being a, you know, an up and running tournament, and you win that. So you are the, for eternity, the Scribble Jam GJ champion. How significant is that to you? It's funny. It's funny you mentioned that actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Scribble Jam. That was that was it. That was interesting. Um, yeah, I was actually with Shad and, and on a whim, you know, 2008, I had a bunch of routines and I'm like, you know what, you know, screw it, I'm going to go. I'm just going to take a 16-hour Greyhound to Cincinnati and try it out because I have these routines. Um, and yeah, it just so happened that uh, it was the last Scribble Jam and uh, yeah, the competition was great. I mean, uh, Shifty was in the competition too. So, uh, and we, we, uh, yeah, man, we crashed at Mike, Mike's house and, uh, it, it was, it was an experience as well, man, just bonding with the U S guys and just kind of seeing turntablism on that level. Um, that's where I met, you know, D styles too. He was there and, uh, the 1200 hobos and those guys. So, and you know, they show love to Canadian turntablists, man. Like, you know, bastard was like, won it like three times. So, um, yeah, it was good to represent, man. It was, it was you know, blessing to win that as well. And there's some money, so that was, that was nice. I was reading this other interview, I believe it was with UGS, perhaps. You were mentioning how when you started learning how to play the turntables, it took me you maybe eight years to do, you know, like a, a good solid routine. Tell me about the struggles of that. Oh, man. Because, well, well, in the beginning, right, you, it was hard because nowadays you can watch the history of DMC online in one afternoon. You know, so you can be like, oh, I can actually see what this guy is doing. You know, so it's not a big mystery. You know, like the curtains kind of pulled back. So back then you just had online streaming on, you know, uh, what's it called? Dial up Internet. And if you're lucky, some of your friends might have a videotape and you have to sit there and go to his house and watch it or stuff like that. So uh, just stuff in general took longer, you know, to master. I, I think nowadays, you, you know. It's like six-year-old kids who can scratch like experts, you know, so, yeah. Take it back to time at Wilfrid Laurier. It's funny, Shad's right next to you right now. Uh, You meet Shad, you hear about him, and uh, I guess on a whim, sort of, you invite him over to your place to perform while you're scratching a little bit. Uh, What is that first experience like? Uh, that was that was actually like a breath of fresh air because I kind of like the hip hop community at Laurier at the time was very small because it's it's a small campus you know what I mean compared to Western or, or whatnot uh, so just meeting people who are interested in hip hop was rare and then meeting somebody who took part in one of the elements was even more rare um so when somebody had told me that he he rapped i was like really he can't be good like you know what i mean like we're in school like i don't know he you know uh but yeah i I told him to come over and and freestyle and like yeah it it was amazing man like he pretty much freestyled off the top like for an hour straight and i was just going off instrumentals and that in itself was fun because that's the essence of hip-hop right so i'm like yo this is amazing man like i I just stumbled upon somebody who, who like I respect lyrically, and, and you know, and it was great. It was, yeah, came out of nowhere. So, and we, now we're here, ten years later. You know, JD Era is another Laurier guy. That's right. Who'd you meet first between the two of them? Uh, I met I met Shad first, and then because Era is a little bit younger than us, um, but uh, yeah, when I met him, he was like this young kid, and he was hungry. Actually. I had first encountered Era at a battle at Square One. Uh, he was only 16 at the time. 
and uh, I was doing the DJ battle. I won the DJ battle, and he won the MC battle that night. And I was like, "Who's this kid?" Like he was, he was like really fierce too, just coming off the top. I swear it was written as well, like you know. But uh, yeah, that's I actually met him first, but I. You know, we didn't really have a relationship at that time. I'm just like, yeah, okay, this kid is crazy. He's from Saga. But it was only later on, you know, I met, I met Shad and developed a rapport with him and contributed to his first album. And then shortly after, I worked more closely with Era. So, And it was in the same proximity, so it was easy for me to juggle at the time. Going back to Shad, yep. same interview I was reading, you mentioned how you know you see him for the first time, he's a guy who looks kind of homeless. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> describe the, describe yeah. the appearance or your impression of Shad. Oh, man. He was wearing like, uh, like a toque in the concourse. Uh, he had like three different layered sweaters, you know what I mean? Just like refusing to wear like a, like a winter jacket, uh, just bundled up hobo style with his uh, backpack and like tattered jeans and stuff. So I was like, yeah, no this guy <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how good this guy is but you know he turned out to be definitely one of the best so being a, somebody who spent their university time at Wilfrid Laurier what can you tell the people about Phil's okay well I mean the big sell of Phil's was the dollar beers right everyone knows that I remember people used to come down from other universities to come to Phil's on a Wednesday because Wednesday was the only hip hop night yeah. hip hop Wednesday at Phil's um I remember the time who was holding it down. I think Surreal was holding it down. Uh, yeah, man, it was a good time. I mean, because you, you're not really hearing hip-hop a lot, you know, in university. You're hearing a lot of more mainstream or kind of rock classics. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was packed. It was packed. You'd see a lot of people there, man. So, uh, what, what were the other institutions that you would go to aside from Phil's or, or food spots as well? Oh, food spots, man. Uh, what's it called? It's been a while... Give me a second. Uh, oh, there's like a... I forget the name, but it's at the corner of King and University, but some real ghetto Chinese uh, buffet joint behind the 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven was funny. Uh, I remember some of my friends like would swear by the hot dogs there, but you know they're drunk at the time, late at night. Uh, what else? There was... Um, it's in Guelph, too. What's that place called? Oh, my gosh. McDonnell Village. McDonnell Village, I think, had the Euros and stuff like that. Uh, what's it called? Mel's Diner, before it burnt down, had yeah. the cheapest breakfast. It's back now, for the Is record. Is it back? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to hit that up. Um, University Plaza, there's a bunch of stuff there. There's a bubble tea joint. Uh, there was like a faux place, the only faux place there. So, uh, yeah, there's a, few, there's a few places. But it gets tired quick, though. <laughs> you mentioned Shad knowing him for 10 years now been through you know the good bulk of the career right there the Juno win how significant was that and how surprising was that oh well yeah because you know look look who was in it right we definitely didn't expect to win I think we're just happy performing setting it off and and just being there Um, but man I was surprised I mean after we performed it was funny because Ian and I they're, after we performed, they're like, yeah, sorry, there's no seats for you guys. So we're like, okay. They're like, yeah, you guys can just wait. We're like, all right, fine. Yeah, you know, I'll wait out here. It's all good. I'm, I'm just happy to be here, you know. Um, but somehow we smuggled our way in uh, and uh, enough to the point where they announced the hip hop category. And uh, yeah, when it was announced, you know, I, I was sitting at another table. 
and uh, they were sitting at their main table, and I think Ian was like hijacked some other table. And then when, you know, when they announced Shad Wan, like I just jumped from that random table and I ran over, and I was like, yo, this is, you know, it joined in on like a little bit of that celebration. But uh, yeah, it was a pleasant surprise, and uh, it's definitely helped, man, for sure. It's definitely helped. What has been? I'm sure that was a big moment. Yeah. But what has been the most surreal moment that music has led to in your life? I think just the amount of people that you're able to kind of reach out to, you know what I mean, with what you're doing, with what you love to do. Just getting that response face-to-face when you're on the road and uh, just seeing how it affects people in in kind of a positive way. So um, that, every time I'm doing a show or I'm out on the road, uh, that's surreal to me because I never thought that I'd be traveling this much. I I, I don't have a travel bug or anything like that, so... Um, yeah, just just being out and, and, and doing the music is, is surreal in and of itself. You know. Let's talk about this EP that's coming out, oh, you yeah, and Shad. Yeah. Details, what, what can you tell us right now? Man, uh, well, I mean, the first track we did together was Rose Garden. Um, and then from then on, you know, I just kind of kind of honing my my beat making skills you know what i mean just just add it all the time since i dropped the rough waters and uh yeah it's kind of a product of a different thing it's just a product of us on the road just you know joking around just the conversations we have um you know some of the topics touch on some serious things most of it is pretty loose um but it's fun it's in the vein of you know it stems from something that's kind of like what we both connect with, which is like the classic boom bap sound, which is the focus. Um, and yeah, it's just it's just kind of us traveling over the couple of years and just kicking jokes and you know, and uh, yeah, that's that's about it. You've known Shad perhaps more than anyone outside of you know his family or somebody like G. You, you've been there for for so long. What has been the greatest cause uh, of his success? His work ethic, you know, his honesty um, and his consistency, I'd say. And he, you know, I, he really does care about his fans, you know. He, uh, he comes through with the music and, and when we do shows, you know, he's there and he connects with people and he, and, and, and he really gives it all to his fans. So I feel that's, that's why he's where he's at now because he's developed that loyal fan base, you know, and they've learned to trust him and, and you know, and he's, and he's revealed himself and built this relationship over time, you know, and he's put in that work. You know, a lot of people, you know, like we were doing, we were running around Canada doing shows for two people, ten people. I mean, we were just talking about that in the car, you know. What was the, one of the worst shows? What was the best shows? And, you know, I mean, we perform like there's, whether there's two people or 500, you know, or a thousand, we'll perform with the same amount of energy. And, uh, yeah, he, he delivers, so. Having been at so many of those shows, tell me about sort of the progression there. What would have been some of, like, the, the smallest show you ever played to, contrasting with the biggest one now? Okay, the smallest show, smaller shows, I'd say, which you just mentioned the car, would be like St. John. I think we were rolling around with Charity, his sister. She was tour managing us at the time. Um, and uh, we performed for, I think, three people in St. John. Okay. But, I th- you know, at that time, I think it was maybe 08, 
or yeah. oh, no, maybe before TSOL. Yeah, before TSOL, I think just before Old Prince. Yeah. Um, we're just happy being out there, you know, and getting out to see Canada and, and playing music. So, uh, yeah, that that show was funny. I remember this, there was like three guys there, and the sound guy just left. Uh, so <laughs> that was funny. And some up to now, some of the bigger shows. Um, you know, we've seen a steady progression in terms of the venues we're playing every album. You know, it's been a steady growth, and and I'm really thankful for that. You know, uh, and one important thing too is he's been able to connect with uh, generations. You know, so there's like a generation that we connected with who was, you know, our peers, so to speak, and out the gate. But then, you know, now we're seeing like at the Vogue theater in uh, Vancouver you know the lineup was around the building and I was surprised you know I'm like who are they here to see you know um, but I saw you know kids from eight years old you know so that's something about his music too it's it's it really connects with like eight to 80 uh, so now with this EP we're kind of honing in on a certain style and a certain sound that might you know that's appealing to like hip-hop so like i mean i'm talking about like boom bap and soulful stuff so yeah it's just like a product of, of us on the road me digging like i dig a lot on the i try to uh whenever, whenever i can and uh yeah a lot of the stuff source stuff is from from the road so yeah it's like a culmination of that as far as your own music and djing and production goes what is your goal for the next five years or so um, for the next five years, man, just keep on making music, keep on making beats and, and getting it out there, you know, and getting better, you know, just just trying to hone in on being the best uh, that I can do and uh, get my music out to as much people as I can, I was as much artists who, you know, who want to work with me and, and feel the sound. So um, that's why, you know what I mean? Like I took part in like, I guess I got that battle bug from the DJ stuff, but I did that Battle of America's beat battle, and uh, I got a good response from that. Um, and just kind of networking with other producers and just kind of learning from them and, and just listening to music and researching music. But yeah, just maybe taking production out to, to the next level and, and just getting my music out. Uh, if we could wrap things up with a rapid fire kind of round. Yeah. You're talking about digging on the road craziest spot that you've ever found records while traveling oh craziest spot uh the most unsuspecting place was in i can't even remember the place but we played it, it's in vancouver um i might have to get back to you on the actual place no it's in bc okay i, I gotta find because we were doing a show there um but it was this uh you know like a thrift store and I just didn't expect them to have soul records because I'm just like, who has soul records here in, the, in this, like, mountain town, you know? Uh, every, you know what, man? I'm going to say you're going to find... You never know where you're going to find anywhere, so you should always look because I've found records. Um, man, you know what? Value Village is pretty good. Some, most, most Value Villages are pretty good. You'll find some stuff in there. Um, but yeah, let me get back to you about that place in BC. It was pretty crazy. What is the most money you spent on a, an individual record? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, the most that I've spent on a record... Yeah, I'd say 100 bucks. 
I spent a hundred bucks on a record record. What would that would have been for? Uh, a Nina Simone record. Yeah. What about the very first record? You start collecting records. What was the first one you got? Oh, uh, yo. Okay, the first one I got was actually two on a trip uh, that took on a like a hour bus ride from Saga to Brampton. I got it from DJ Depot with two records. Eight, uh, Outcast, single AT Aliens, and on the flip side, Wheels of Steel. And then uh, Trigger the Gambler and Smooth the Hustler. My crew can't go for that. All right, thanks a lot for your time. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, man. Well, there you have it. If you want to know more about T-Lo, go to thecomeupshow.com. We've got music and videos to check out there. Be sure to watch out for that EP dropping on December 1st, too. If you enjoyed the show, help us out. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, too, at The Come Up Show. That's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. Once again, I'm Martin Bauman. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. (laughs) 